Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Hi, Fred. Thanks so much for joining us on the How To Money podcast today. Kate, thank you so much for inviting me and thank you to all your listeners for listening. You've got a great podcast here and obviously everyone should subscribe continuously. This is where it's at. (laughs) Thank you, Fred. Now, the plan for today's episode is to dive into open banking, what it actually is and what it means for consumers. But before we get started, it'd be great to hear a little bit of background on yourself and your organization, Finder. I guess I'm one of those people who was kind of rebellious in school and tried to do things my own way. And that did get me into a lot of trouble, but also it kind of served me afterwards in building and starting to build a business. And, you know, from a very small beginning, and a little dream. We kind of thought we could help people make better decisions about their finances because, you know, Frank and I were struggling entrepreneurs and we um, did our absolute best to manage our money and something we're really passionate about. And we decided to take that around the world. I remember it was a critical day. So we've opened this finder.com.au, which you can sing. There's a song about it. There's also finder.com in the US and the UK now. And we just opened an office in Canada. So hopefully in some small way, will help people make um, better decisions about their finances all around the world. And one day, maybe, I'm hoping that, you know, we look back in time and Australians look at Finder and think, that's an Australian tech company that's going out to the world for Australia. And, you know, we can be all proud of that. And all those people, not only people that we employ in Australia, but also people all around the world are making a great Australian tech company. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Finder, I've actually recommended that a lot on the podcast to listeners who are looking to try and compare different savings accounts and other products when they're getting started. And even brokerage accounts is a place to start and look at the different areas to compare when they're making a decision. That's very kind of you, Kate. You know, we we work super hard to try and write about all the information we possibly can and give people that. You know, our web pages are long, but that's because the crew here are working really, really hard to pack all that information into one place. So anyway, we can help to serve your listeners. And, and thank you, everyone, for listening to Kate because she's amazing. So uh, 
appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Fred. So there's been a lot of talk about open banking recently, but mainly by the large financial institutions and the government just throwing the term around. But what does open banking actually mean to consumers? Open banking in and of itself won't be something that you know consumers are going to go, oh, I'm going to wake up in the morning and go, hey, let's go and get some open banking. <laughs> I think it's a bit like TCPIP, which runs the internet, or it's 5G you know, or 4G on your telephone. Like you don't really care mm. what technology it runs on. What it enables you to do is what's incredible. So 4G on our phone or, or even, you know, that's really the moment when you know, we started streaming videos on our phone. We started like making internet calls to the rest of the world and it was really clear. That was the time when, you know, I really think apps started to, ex- you know, there's a real Cambrian explosion on our telephones. So that's the end state. Now, let's talk about open banking. What do I think that technology will do is I think this will start to be the beginning where customers can start to do some really smart things with their financial data. And at its core, to break it all down, what does it mean? It means that you can get your data from your bank account and upload it into different services and get more value from that. So you don't have to be, your data's not stuck in your bank account. It's not stuck in there. And there's all sorts of insights about yourself that actually lives in your transactions. And you can get, we're trying to do, you know, at Finder, and I I say this in the most humble way, and I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I'll share with your listeners is Mm -hmm. we've been building an application for over a year now that actually takes in transaction data and tells you really smart things and automatically does it for you. So imagine if you automatically was, you know, were able to get the best deal. And it was constantly checking the deals that you have and the market and just telling you really smart things. That's just one sort of thing I think it'll enable. I think there are all sorts of other applications to this that'll start to happen. For example, when you go to apply for a product, it'll smooth out that application process because you can just connect your data up. And it's really annoying, for example, when you go to get a mortgage and you need to go and give five bank statements Mm. and three tax returns and all these kinds of things. In the future, what will start to happen is a lot of that will be smoothed out. You just connect your certain details together, you give permission, and then you pass that through to the bank and it all becomes a lot smoother. At the end of the day, that's nice, but what does it actually do? I think it'll help people get better deals. It'll help people save money more and make it easier to do that. That's the intention of the government. It's to make it easier to switch, easier to save money. So open banking is great because, you know, the government has legislated, it's actual law, the consumer data rights. So every um, Australian has this right now to their data. This is being rolled out not only in banking, but it's actually being brought to telecommunications, so to our phone plans, to our energy. And right now, Finders really lobbying very hard for it to be brought to superannuation and insurance and I think there's, there's, you know, there's some really great places that will help Australians just two in five Australians basically never switch their bank account in their entire life, just to give context. Mm. Never. There's probably a, a few better deals after you know, 25 years <laughs> of the same bank account, I'm sure you, know, you could probably get. But what's the challenge there? And why is that? And what are we doing about that is I don't think the challenge today is with people who actively manage their finances. I think there are those people out there and they're doing a great job and it's hard, you know, and they've got their spreadsheets and their budgets and, you know, there are things and they're listening to great podcasts like this one and other money podcasts that are out there. But I think this is where it's the beginning, right? That proactivity, taking control of your finances and getting in there. 
But I think there's another group of people that don't compare. Mm. And, and why is that? And my contention is that it's actually a bit for them. They just see it as all too hard, which is fair. You know, they're running a family and they've got a job and they're making their school lunches in the morning and there's ballet after school and then there's soccer on the weekend. They're going to make sure they've got the uniform, but then their son left their outfit at the school. We need to go and pick that up and put that all together. Like there's a lot of things going on to manage a lot of your life. Then the finance is just, you know, they sort of just ratchet down in priorities and they look like they look like it's just a bit of like, oh, I'd rather just take a break and keep myself together mm. rather than enduring this finances sort of situation. And I think that is a large portion of Australians right now. We believe at Finder, what we're really trying to do is change that dynamic and trying to build this, this application to help with that. We're not the only solution. There's good to be others out there. But in some small way, I hope that we can help to change that dynamic. And I think what open banking does, and hopefully will bring this Cambrian explosion of products and services for people to take control of their finances in just smoother and easier ways. The cables into the bank and the insurance company and the energy company and the telco company and your super start to be connected. And I think that enables you know entrepreneurs to go out there, make great products that make it a lot easier for some of these, I guess, benefits that that people can get. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's quite a few apps at the moment that allow you to connect your bank account, then it tells you what you're spending your money on. But the banks actually say, well, you're not supposed to give out your username and password. So that open banking and the ability to take your data anyway, anywhere will help with that, won't it? Yeah. So, you know, there are, I think there are a lot of budgeting apps that are out there. And I think this, they're interesting to the extent, but that you can only really, you know, it's going to tell you some interesting things, but it won't necessarily actually allow you and, and give you the ability to do something with it. Mm. So I think people get kind of frustrated by those kind of things because they keep telling them stuff and they're like, you know, it's just sort of behavioral stuff, which they could potentially look at or it's interesting, but what am I going to do with that? I think the difference here with this open banking is it's the time where we can start to build cables into other organizations and partner with them and start to take action based on what we can see from the transaction data. And I think you're right, you know, from the perspective of any industry, if you're an existing player, you have a large majority of the market, you'd want to defend that space. And I can understand that. And I think it makes sense. I just want to say, but this is coming not from Finder or some industry group. This is coming from the government. Mm. This, is, this is actually, the government can see there's a major issue here. And I actually think the government is right on the money with this one. This has come through several it's gone through quite a few elections to stay alive, <laughs> which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, especially in the last five years. Right. So this has got to be kind of important mm. that there's probably something behind this and it'll help you know, Australians at the end of the day. Just to give some context as well, this is not new. You know, This has been rolled out in the UK. And in September last year, there were 10 million accesses of the API, the Open Banking API. Last September that just went past, there were 110 million accesses of that API, right? So that's a, almost an 11x growth. And I think the thing is, you know, the UK has always been very ahead with fintech and the applications in there. But I'm not sure if they got it entirely right. And that the thing is, Australia gets this great chance now. And I think if you look at some of the things we're trying to do, 
we get a great chance to make it even better, which is a great opportunity. You know, we're like the Samsung of the iPhone, right? <laughs> the iPhone went first, and then Samsung went and copied it all. Yeah, we don't have to make the same mistakes. Right. You know, a lot of the things that are potentially, you know, let's go back to the beginning of electricity, right? In the beginning, people were scared that, you know, your house would set on fire, you'd get cancer, and you'd die if you had electricity. In the beginning of the internet, we thought we were going to lose all our money if we put our credit card on the internet. You know, in the beginning of all sorts of technologies, you know, we think that the world's going to end, but that's just a natural reaction. We've been doing this for, for thousands and thousands of years. The thing about this open banking is it's just a piece of technology. It's actually what's important is we're bringing a really important conversation to the surface, which is, can you get a better deal? Can you start to take control of your finances and do some, think about some, you know, some small insightful things to start getting yourself into a better situation? And I think let's try and make some software and some, some new businesses in Australia that which start to lead the world. Let's start to export our open banking technology and businesses around the world. I think that's fantastic and that creates jobs and that's the centerpiece here, right? Mm, absolutely. And so open banking in 10 years' time, we will just not even think about it like that. It will just be suddenly all our accounts are interconnected and we're finding the best deals and everything talks to each other and it just seems normal to us. Yeah, you know, like just like right now you pick up your phone and you call someone in Germany and you instantly can talk to them and you forget that it goes through many thousands of miles of cables, hubs and networks, and sometimes goes up into space and then back down. We're just like, you know, that's fine. That's just normal. You know, and if it's not perfect connection, then we're really concerned. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of work, but to go from here to there. Mm. And there's a lot of trust that needs to be built. And there's going to be problems. There's going to be mistakes with any new technology. But I think people are going to get a better deal on their credit card, you know, on their mortgage, on their savings account. It's going to, they're going to start to explore these you know, kind of simple things you can do, but actually very profoundly powerful to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. And when do consumers get access to this data? Is it next year? So February of 2020 is the date where the banks are mandated to roll out open banking. In Australia, it obviously is live in the UK already and it's been going for about a year and a half, if not a little bit more. And what it'll mean is that credit and debit cards, so deposit products, will be available through the open banking system. Not all of the products, so there's not mortgages and there are personal loans for now. Mm. I just want to give context about something as well, which is really important, is this is only read data, okay? So it's not right. I just want to explain that because I think it's really important. You can't go and rewrite your banking history. Right. You're not going to go in and change everything. There's no way to get access to write something into your bank. You're not making any payments. There's no money moving. But I know it can be scary. But if you look at your bank account and you were to give it to someone and someone else looked at all your transactions, you know, there might be some transactions you're a bit embarrassed about. At the end of the day, there's not that much you can really do with it. You can't take the money. You can go and change your own password. There's not that much. You can revoke access, obviously, to other apps as well. So, you know, I think there's this trust element to this. So people are very scared of sharing this data. But realistically, today, the government has built this standard with Data61 and CSIRO. So just to give that context, this has been robustly being constructed over many, many years. And, you know, we make payments over the internet, like we throw our credit card into all sorts of things these days. I think 
the key behavior that we just got to you know start to get comfortable with, which is probably going to take more time. And the way I see this rolling out is getting comfortable with connecting your bank account up to applications. And the way I still see this happening is I think you're going to connect up you know, in the first six months, people will connect up that bank account you don't really care about. You know, you have that one where, oh, I've got a hundred bucks in there. It's kind of petty cash. I use it for this or that, but I'm just going to try it with that. And then I think you're going to get used to that and go, hey, well, no one stole my money, you know, and actually I got some kind of interesting things from it. Really cool. And then you might go and then connect up one other account. And then as there's more and more trust and people start to realize there's more and more things you can do with this, I think that's when they'll start to really start connecting up lots of accounts. and get comfortable with sharing that data and the value you can get back from it. Yeah, it's a similar approach. I think a lot of us are having to some of the new neobanks on the scene. We're not putting our paycheck in them straight away. We're putting a hundred bucks and testing it and seeing if that works. And same with travel cards and things like that before we put all of our savings in that account. Yeah. You know, you go back in time. I want to talk about neobanks for a second because if I can and just submit something is I don't think that neobanks are new. And the reason for that is if you go back in time, ING Bank has been around in Australia for a long time now. Mm. And they were really, in my mind, the first digital bank. If you remember, and it's probably, I don't know, maybe I'm showing my age, but (laughs) when it launched, I was scared of that product. Mm. I saw this orange thing and I deposited my money and I just hoped that it would end up in their bank account. And then when I withdrew it, I just hoped that it would come back. I just didn't know if it was going to happen or not. Yeah, especially without physical branches, it was quite a new idea. Right. But now, if you sent the money to ING Bank, you just know and trust and you're comfortable with that. And I think that's the same thing here, right? You know, there are a lot of really good providers who've been around, you know, Fine has been around for 10 years and we've been working really hard at this. And it's going to take time. We don't expect to have the trust in the beginning, but we feel we can earn that and prove that and show just like ING Bank did in bringing this new idea of, you know, digital banks to the market, I think we can bring some really cool apps to help people with with this open banking. Mm, And I'm guessing a lot of new products will sort of pop up like your app that actually help consumers use their data in a better way that helps them financially. I think there will be. There's some some really smart stuff starting to come out. I'm excited. (laughs) And do you think this will increase competition in the banking sector itself, having consumers having access to all their data? I think it brings transparency. You know, one of the other parts of open banking, which doesn't get talked about that much, is for the first time, banks have to provide APIs with the product information. So they're actually adapted now to display all the products that they have on offer. And, and I think what this will start to do is standardize some of those things and bring that transparency. Obviously, it's in an API format, which makes it tough. So you need an application. Potentially, you know, the Finder app can help you with that. But, mm. you know, transparency and this journey towards actually considering what do I have today and what is out there and making that part of our behavior. That's the part that, you know, I think I hope that will start to change and and make a reality because we have an office in the UK and we notice the comparison is really high and there's comparison in the UK. Most people get their bills and they immediately go compare them. In Australia, most people get their bill and they pay it. Mm. And you know, it's about 60% people, of people compare in the UK and about 20% of people compare in Australia, just to give you sort of broad numbers. And I think that's the behavior, right? That's the place where there's a lot of money that can be saved. And I don't feel like we're breaking anything. We're just making the market a little more competitive. Yeah. And I think at the moment, I mean, it's 
a lot of effort to even think about comparing that phone bill that's automatically on direct debit every month. So having something that sort of pops up and alerts you to the fact that there's exactly the same phone plan or maybe even better phone plan for the same or less amount of money, I mean, that would really help. And especially if it makes it easy to then apply or change that plan. Yeah, I have two phone plans. So I have one for the US and one for the Australia because I go to the US a lot for our, our US business. And even then, managing two phone plans for me, I, uh, you know, I find that challenging. Yeah. But at the same time, I've noticed because obviously I'm around comparison all the time and I, I mm. confess, you know, I love this stuff and I love to do it. Not everyone, I suppose, is as obsessed about comparing things as myself, but there is a lot of change in these markets. Phone plans have gotten very competitive and a lot simpler. We had this idea, I think, in the past where in Australia, you were kind of conditioned to pay 70, 80, 90, even $100 a month. Whereas you can pay, you know, like $30, $40 a month and get unlimited calls, unlimited things and enough data to watch all the cat videos you can possibly download <laughs> and still have some data left over. You know, I've got two little girls and we watch all sorts of interesting, creative, fun videos. So I, mm-hmm. I confess I've got a lot of cat videos. They're actually kind of addictive and I confess I don't mind watching. But, <laughs> you know, that wouldn't have been possible in the past and you would have paid through the nose. But now that's one industry where I think there's a lot of change happening. And I could talk about all sorts of other ones, but it's hard, Kate, you know, to be obviously on top of all these things continuously. And hopefully, you know, I guess in some small way, if we can help people automate that, I feel it will remove some anxiety, I guess, from, from people and make the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. And in, and in Feb 2020 next year, if the, the banks all stick to the timeline, is there going to be an announcement? How do people know that their data is ready to use, essentially? We've been talking a lot to the ACCC with their rollout, and I do think they're going to have some publicity around this, but I'm not sure if they're as well-funded to do publicity. We're going to do a lot of work around this and write about it. We are working with the Treasury as well to try and get this out there, and hopefully there's maybe an ad campaign um, around it. But we've got a wait list. I don't know if that helps. Um, We write about this a lot and as best we possibly can get it out there. But, you know, I don't know if it will be as big a push as, say, when a big vote's happening or some law is changing. It's unfortunately or it's not quite that level. Yeah. That's my forecast. I guess so people sort of need to follow and uh, keep an eye out for it, essentially. And I guess hopefully it'll just trickle down over the years as people, uh, even if they start talking about their finances a little bit more in real life, let their friends know that this is something you can use this app and put your data in here. Well, I actually think that you're right. And it's podcasts like yours, Kate, that actually make that possible, right? There's a gap in Australian media between the big publications and the very small publications. And this is sort of massive void in the middle. And in America and the UK, there are these middle passionate sites and publications like yourself that actually help to get this information out there. So I would actually say, this is fantastic what you're doing. And I think people, if they can you know, subscribe to information services like yours, that's how they'll learn about these new things that can help them. So I think that's partially the nature of the role of media. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we'll definitely be sharing more about it when it does launch, uh, hopefully on track for Feb 2020 for the big four next year. 
for sure. That'd be fantastic. Wonderful. Well, did you have anything else before we finish up, Fred? You know, I think that, you know, 2019, everyone had a big year. I think 2020 is going to be even more like some real magic is going to start to happen in, in finance and technology in Australia particularly, but I think around the world. And I think we're in the beginning of, of some real change that's mm. starting to happen. And I'm excited about that. But I think now is the time to really lean into your finances, you know, get into investments, get into podcasts like this and start to take some action and, and explore. Because one of the things I try to do, and I don't know if this is for everyone, but the earlier you start managing your finances, I think the better long-term you're kind of going to end up. So it's great that everyone's listening. It's great what you're doing, Kate. So I wanted to share that. I don't know if I can share the URL where you can get that on the wait list for the app. There's going to be 100 people potentially let in in the beginning. They've got some special entry. I don't know if I can share that or not. But yeah, absolutely. Share it and we can also include it in the show notes. It's finder.com.au forward slash app. Pretty easy. <laughs> No worries. Well, we'll include that in the show notes as well. So, And people can always go to finder.com.au if they want to compare anything, pretty much. Yeah, we're working really hard on that. Yeah, amazing. Well, Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show today and uh, talking about open banking and sort of exploring a little bit more about what that is and how that could actually help us going forwards. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. You're really serving yourself as well. Thanks, Fred. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money podcast.